Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, Episode 71, Answering Podcasting Questions. Welcome back to another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the podcast about podcasting and audacity, a how-to podcast that answers questions for you. And this is where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. And I am answering some questions today that I've received in through various feedback means on the website. I'll be talking about Accents in podcasts, cover art not showing up on episodes, questioning Stitcher's terms of use, and then maybe a little bit of a bonus of something that will be coming up in a future episode. Starting this out is a voicemail from a Canadian listener, and I think you're going to hear that this is a Canada-heavy episode, actually, because as I've been going through these voicemails, I realized, wow, there are several here from Canada. So this is from Lode from Canada. Hello there, Daniel. This is uh, Lloyd Roels from New Brunswick. That's an East Coast province in Canada, in case you don't know where that is. Uh, I discovered your exciting uh, podcast about uh, podcasting a few weeks ago. And, and the first few days after hearing it for the first time, the first episode, I started listening back-to-back episodes Uh, You're a true inspiration for a lot of us out there. Uh, I learned uh, a great uh, deal of uh, things listening to your advice, so thank you very much for that. Now, a few episodes ago, you played a voice message from a guy that was not English-speaking. I mean, it was not his first language. And now that triggered me to send you this remark and raise this question, because as you can hear from my accent, English is not my first language either. My first language, my native language, is Dutch. I was a national radio host, as a matter of fact, in Belgium. And I'm starting a podcast about my immigration to Canada and uh, my life here. It's in Dutch, uh, but I would like to broaden my horizon and, uh, and attract more listeners by podcasting in English as well. Uh, but as a non-native speaker, I wonder how big of an issue is the accent, which you can hear pretty good in my case. So actually, I wonder if for a native, being an American or English speaker, uh, listening to a podcast done by a non-native speaker, is an accent in a podcast a problem for listeners, yes or no? Um, That's the question I would like to ask you and your listeners uh, the same question, both uh, from the perspective as a podcast listener as well as a podcast producer. Keep up the good work and uh, looking forward to hear another episode of uh, your podcast. Thanks. Thank you very much for that message, Lode, and I hope I'm pronouncing your message or your name correctly from my American accent. Well, there are a lot of things to take into consideration here with accents, but here's something I've noticed is that in general, it seems like the people who have English as a second language and are the most concerned about their accent or how good their English is. My experience that is that those people really don't have to be concerned so much because their English and their accent is not as bad as they think it is. And for you too, Lode, this is the same thing that I feel like with your voice is your voice sounds fine. And for me as an American, I grew up as a kid, I didn't understand some people at the cash register and just 
when they had that thick accent. But you speak English very well, very clearly, and some of your pronunciations are even more well, are better enunciated than even Americans do. Because as anyone from foreign countries knows, Americans slur our own language and we butcher our own language even in many ways. So uh, first of all, consider your voice and is it really that thick of an accent? A lot of times you might feel like it is, but it might not really be that thick of an accent. If you're the one that's concerned about it, then most likely I would say that you don't have to be concerned about it. But a funny thing is Americans tend to respect certain accents, like British accents. There are plenty of comedies out there and parodies about how much more respected people are, Americans are, towards someone who has a British accent than someone who has a Southern accent. And there are some psychological things uh, that we in America tend to think about a person based on their accent. I talked about some of that last time too in the last episode about the speed at which someone speaks also influences how we think, how intelligent we think that they are. The accent plays into that a little bit, but the accent can also be forgotten quite easily. A lot of things can be forgotten after time if your content and passion is engaging enough. I listen to some other Dutch podcasters as well. There is uh, Father Roderick over at sqpn.com, I believe, or .tv. He has a Once Upon a Time podcast that I also listen to, and he's done some stuff with my friend Cliff Ravenscraft over at gspn.tv. And I think that man, Father Roderick, has a great voice. He's also Dutch. I have another friend, Anna, uh, I can't remember her new last name since she got married, but she's got a podcast and her voice sounds great too. And she's Dutch and it's it's very listenable. Yes, there's a definite accent. Yes, maybe a little bit of stumbling over words, but it's not so much of a problem. So when you're considering this for yourself, get some other people's advice, get some Americans advice on this or whoever you're appealing to, and ask them, is my accent too thick for you to understand? But I don't think your accent alone is going to make you lose listeners. Putting on a fake accent might do that. In fact, I have experience with that. I once did a trade-off April Fool's Day joke for another podcast where we took over their podcast and they took over our podcast. And one of them has a slight... Texan accent, or it sounds like that to me. So for the majority of my recording his episode, I pretended to have a slight Southern accent, which is one of the few accents I can actually do that sounds real. And he said that he lost subscribers after that. I don't know if that was just coincidence that he lost subscribers or what, but people don't always appreciate when you try to put on a fake accent, unless it's comedy or drama, but even then, you really do need to be careful with that. Some people will get offended if you try and imitate their accent or you make fun of their accent. That's going to happen. People will get offended at a lot of things. So will your accent lose listeners? I don't think so. If you're understandable, I don't think so. There are a lot of Americans that say things 
in really weird ways that, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Someone that a lot of people know, Seth Godin, doesn't pronounce his H-U's with an H sound. Like human, I say it human with that H. I'm emphasizing it right now so you hear it. Human sound. But he says it human, like completely dropping the H. Now, Seth Godin is an amazingly intelligent person. He's written some great books. Does that mean I disrespect him because he drops his H's in words like that? No. Do I stop listening to him? No. He's an intelligent person, and he has a passion for his message. And he's a great speaker, too. They're saying in the chat room when I'm doing this live over at noodle.mx, 2 p.m. on Mondays, Eastern Time. So his passion and his content carries past his accent. Now, I'd really like to hear from all of you listeners what you think about this issue because I've started doing this thing of having podcasting polls on the website over at theaudacitypodcast.com. So if you go there right now over to theaudacitypodcast.com before 2 p.m. on March 12th, the next episode of the Audacity to Podcast, you can vote on this. What do you think about a podcaster who has an accent? Is it hard to read? Is it a problem for listeners? Yes, no, and varying degrees with each of those things. And just to share with you the result from last week's poll where I asked, what would you prefer that a podcaster do when they stumble over a word or accidentally mispronounce something? Would you rather they correct it or just move on as if nothing happened? And I was wrong. I was thinking the majority of people would just say, just keep moving on. But the majority of people, actually it was about a a two to one vote ratio, a majority of people said that they would rather that the podcaster stop, correct their mistake, and move on. Which is very different from me because I'm a, a pianist, actually, was a musical instrument I played for many years. And I learned that the worst thing I could do when playing a piece was stop and correct myself and move on. And then continue. But the best thing would be to just continue on because a lot of people wouldn't realize how that music goes. Music and speaking, though, are very different because a lot of people know what word I should have used. If I don't correct myself and if I make that mistake too often, then yeah, I might sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But I think there are some times when it's excusable. And this comes to the accent thing, too, where If someone starts to recognize that because of your accent, you pronounce a word a certain way, then they'll be forgiving of that. Or if, taking this back to that poll, if someone knows that you usually say the right word here and you just stumbled and said the wrong word in a particular case, they'll probably be more forgiving because they realize you just stumbled. You're not stupid. You just stumbled over it. So go over to theaudacitytopodcast.com and vote in that poll. And this is something I'm going to try and do every week of taking some podcasting polls and find out what you think about certain things about podcasting. So thank you very much for sending in that message load. And I would love it if you would go to the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 71. And please let us know the name of your podcast because you didn't mention it in your voicemail and I couldn't find it. So if you could, please let us know and I'll update the show notes and link to you and would love to uh, let other people hear you, which I guess it would be in Dutch right now. But 
You can comment on the show notes and let Load know what you think over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 71. Now, Mike from the Collaborating Podcast had asked a question about his cover art wasn't showing up in his podcast. And I've talked about cover art here and there and certain ways to fix certain problems. Here's what Mike said. We've uploaded podcast art via Blueberry. I assume he's talking about the PowerPress player to iTunes. Can see it on the iTunes website, but don't see it within iTunes itself. Only see the little gray guy with circles and don't see it on the iPod. What gives? So I included a screenshot in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 71 to show you what Mike is seeing. And he's showing that he's looking at his podcast subscriptions and he sees the podcast cover art for, well, my podcast is in there twice, interestingly. And he has a couple other podcasts in there where it shows the cover art for those podcasts, for the overall podcast, not just the individual episodes, but the overall podcast. And then the little uh, mark that indicates how many episodes he has to listen to. So his podcast is right there next to mine and his is showing no podcast cover art. So there are three places that you need to put your podcast cover art and I'll review these for you. It sounds like, and looking at his feed, he gave me his RSS feed, his podcast is the Collaborating Podcast. It, or it's just called Collaborating. It's in iTunes. Although to find it, you'll have to search for The Collaborative right now. But when you find it, he's got some great looking podcast cover art there. I didn't design it, by the way, but it looks great. But that's the only place it's displaying. So that means he has one of three places set properly. So the three places to set your podcast cover art are, number one, the RSS2 image. This is what everything except for iTunes will look at and display. There are two different places that you could put this, assuming that you're using PowerPress or FeedBurner. These two places are where you'd set this. If you're using something else, you'll have a similar option here. In PowerPress, if you go to the settings either for your overall PowerPress settings or if you're using category casting or channel casting, then you'll need to go into that specific area of PowerPress. But go into that the settings for that. Then go to Feeds, Feed Settings. Then you'll see an option for RSS2 image. That's where you would put in a URL or upload an RSS2 image, which which has to be 144 by 144 or smaller. This is not your 600 by 600 or bigger podcast cover art. This is only 144 by 144 pixels. That's where you put it in PowerPress. If you're using FeedBurner to handle all of this stuff, then go to FeedBurner, the Optimize tab. Then on the left side, choose Feed Image Burner. Now, if you're using both PowerPress and FeedBurner, Feed Image Burner will override whatever the source is. So if you set something in PowerPress, using this option in FeedBurner overrides it. Keep that in mind. The second place you want to put your podcast cover is your iTunes image. This is what only iTunes sees. And this is where you can put that 300 by 300 or 600 by 600 image. There are two places that you put this. Could put this different places, but don't do both of them necessarily. In PowerPress, 
go to the settings, again, either the overall or the category-specific settings or the channel-specific settings, then go to iTunes tab, then scroll down to iTunes feed settings, and you'll see a spot for the iTunes image. This is your 300 by 300 or 600 by 600 or bigger image that you can put there for your podcast cover art. If you're using FeedBurner to handle how you appear in iTunes, go to FeedBurner, the Optimize tab, then the SmartCast option, and there's a spot that says Podcast Image Location. This is where you enter the URL for that same podcast cover art. This will show up in the iTunes directory, but the RSS2 image will show up in any other podcast directory or RSS subscription software. The third place that you need to do this, and this I would say is the most often forgotten place where you can do this or where you need to do this is in your ID3 tags. These are set for every single MP3 file or whatever other format you're using. These ID3 tags are individual and specific. So this would be where you'd add your album uh, title, your or yeah, your episode title, your episode number, author, all of that extra information, but also make sure that you add an image there. I talked a lot about how to properly add ID3 tags to podcasts over in episode 52. So if you go to the audacity to podcast.com slash 52, you can listen to that and hear some of the tools that I explained that you can use for that. Either mp3tag.de, which is a free program for Windows, or you can use ID3 Editor, which is a $15 program for Windows, Linux, or OS X. And that's what I use because I, I just think it's pretty and I'm on OS X. So that ID3 tag is what I would say, looking at your podcast, that is what's missing. When I look up the collaborative in iTunes, I see your podcast cover art there in the iTunes directory. Then when I subscribe, it doesn't show up. And when I look at an individual episode, it doesn't show up. So that means that you're not tagging those individual episodes in the ID3 tags. So make sure that you do that for every single episode. You can do this with iTunes. I recommend using either ID3 editor or mp3 tag and i have those links from episode 52 and in the show notes for this episode the audacity to podcast.com slash 71 because those programs will make more compatible id3 tags so it will work on windows and macs and windows media player and itunes and all sorts of different programs that then also sets what displays when you're playing it on an ipod or portable media device So get your RSS2 image set, which by the way, Mike, your feed doesn't have an RSS2 image. I checked that for you and it doesn't have it. It just has a default Blueberry PowerPress image in there. Set your iTunes image, which you do have that set in your feed. So that's why that's displaying properly in the iTunes store. But then also set on each of your ID3, on each of your MP3 episodes or whatever format you choose, make sure that you embed that cover art into each episode And that will display then in players and devices. So everyone can also check out his podcast. I'll have the link for the collaborative or collaborating podcast in the show notes for this episode, the audacity to podcast.com slash 71. And then the last question here, well, two things that came in 
One is regarding uh, uh, just a special thanks for a past episode. Oh, hi, Daniel. Uh, Glenn Steenson calling from uh, Clinton, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I've got a podcast that's been out now for about nine months, Stewardship Weekly, and uh, I've just been going through your episode 69, the top podcast directories and how to get into them. So just wanted to call and say thanks for all the effort you've put into that episode and the show notes. It's been really helpful as I've been sitting here uh, the past couple of days uh, going through and submitting to each of them. So uh, thanks uh, for all the great information in your show and everything you're doing there. Thank you, Glenn, for the voicemail and for saying thank you. And everyone can check out his podcast at stewardshipweekly.com. I've received several messages regarding episode 69 over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 69 how to get into the podcast directories. And one message, which didn't quite work out in audio format, so I can't play it, but one message pointed out that Microsoft, or that there's been news now that Microsoft is dropping the Zune store, whereas I predicted that the Zune would be a major part of Windows Phone and Windows 8. There's word that Apple or Microsoft is dropping Zune Marketplace for those platforms. So I need, I really want to confirm that elsewhere before I say that outright, but still, having your podcast in Zoom is great. However, in my list of podcast directories, I had mentioned Stitcher, and I like Stitcher, and I think your podcast should be in Stitcher, but Norbert Davis from totallycooltech.com is a little bit suspicious of Stitcher, Stitcher, and he sent in this message. He said, I'm enjoying listening to the Audacity to Podcast number 69, Top Podcast Directories and How to Get in Them. I'm subscribed through Double Twist on my Droid X, by the way. That's awesome. And found it to be very informative as always. I too am a podcaster and host of the Totally Cool Tech at totallycooltech.com. And you mentioned a service that I'm not comfortable submitting my content to due to some legal agreement language that that content producers must agree to before they can get on the service. The company is Stitcher. In their terms of distribution and provisional partnership, which by the way, you can see that if you go to stitcher.com and click to become a sponsor or become a partner on their site, you'll see this separate terms of use and distribution and all that. He continues, There is some language that seems to state that the provider is giving away a lot of control over their content to Stitcher to where Stitcher can do with it what they want for whatever reason. I used to have my content available through them for a while until I was sent their terms last year. Since reading the terms, I opted not to sign up with them because of these terms and they removed my show from their service. I've included the section of the terms below that caused me concern and highlighted the actual portions that were the ones that caused me not to sign up with them. Perhaps iTunes and other services have the same or some similar wording in their terms of service or equivalent agreements about being able to use my work as they see fit, hopefully not use out of context. For whatever purpose, hopefully not for evil, they wish. I should take my own advice and check the other services myself just to be sure. So, as you are telling your listeners about how or where to sign up for services like Blueberry, iTunes, Stitcher, etc., please also tell them that they need to be careful and read any terms of service 
or agreements that the service providers have before hitting the submit button just to make sure they are not giving away the farm. Thank you, Norbert, for sending that in. And I'll read this part of the agreement that he doesn't like, but that's a very good point. We should be reading those terms. And I often, I'm one of those types that I just agree, agree, yes, whatever. I don't care. Just let me install it. Just let me join, whatever. I don't read terms of service enough. But yeah, if you hand me a piece of paper and ask me to sign it, I will read it. I'm Rumpelstiltskin's worst nightmare. I will read the contract before I sign it. But here's the part of Stitcher's terms for producers that Norbert doesn't like. It's under Section 2, Distribution of Submitted Content on Service, and I have this written in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 71 that you can read and see what's highlighted too. Letter A, Stitcher acknowledges that producer, that's you, owns and or controls the copyright in submitted content subject to the rights that producer grants to Stitcher hereunder. B, producer hereby acknowledges that producer is entirely responsible for everything contained in the submitted, submitted content made available by producer on the service. C, all submitted content the producer submits to Stitcher, including without limitations, audio recordings, information, metadata, ideas, tags, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it's D that has the actual spot that he wanted to talk about. Solely in consideration of the possibility of distribution on the service to the extent that submitted content is owned and or controlled by producer. Here's the emphasized part. By uploading, posting, emailing, or otherwise making available in any communication or content producer application for the service, producer hereby grants to Stitcher a non-exclusive, royalty-free, and perpetual right to, number one, exhibit, display, reproduce, distribute, and otherwise use submitted content, in whole or in part, via all media now known or hereafter devised throughout the world in perpetuality. In other words, the distribution rights. Number two, exhibit excerpts of your submitted content via all forms of media throughout the world in perpetual perpetuity for promotional and or advertising purposes, promotional rights. And number three, create and use derivative works therefrom. We do need to be familiar with the terms that we're agreeing to whenever we sign up for anything or submit our podcast to things. And what are we letting them do with our content? Like, are we letting them, are we letting anyone make money off our content and we're not getting any benefits from it? Are they adding their ads to our content? Are all of these things, you need to read these terms. No matter what they're doing right now, You need to know what they say they're allowed to do with your content. But I would say, looking at this stuff, my initial thought is Stitcher needs all of this legal stuff just to get our permission for them to copy and redistribute our content, which is what they have to do in order to make Stitcher work. And the whole thing about derivatives is... What if they want to do a promotional for their product and say, get Stitcher and you can listen to amazing podcasts from your phone. And then they include little things like, this is Daniel with the Audacity to Podcast and and this is Norbert with the Totally Cool Tech Show and all of this. And they have this little montage of 
audio, <laughs> a collage of audio kind of thing. Well, that's a derivative of it, and that's using your content, yes, to promote their own service, and that's fine. Well, I emailed Stitcher directly to find out from them their response. I forwarded Norbert's message to them, and so Rachel Eaton from Stitcher replied saying, Hi, Daniel. Thank you for sending this along. We appreciate the chance to explain it. We do actually have a revision to our terms of service that will be posted soon. The revision does not change the terms, but it does include some definitions and explanations. That's great. That's what we need because we need to know how are they defining these things and to what limit are these things. We have received some questions about some of the legalese and do not want that to be a hindrance for anyone who wants to distribute their content via the Stitcher app. The Stitcher terms are comparable to services like iTunes and YouTube and are quite standard for a distribution agreement. That is very true. Read the other directories and you'll find they say pretty much the same kind of stuff. The intentions of Stitcher and the terms of service is not, is definitely not for evil. I have addressed Norbert's questions below. Regarding the section A, writes that producer grants to Stitcher hereunder, she says, we acknowledge that content provider owns the copyright or the right to use slash distribute the content subject to their warrants. In other words, they actually have these rights in section two, letter A. Then responding to the highlights for section D, which was by uploading, posting, emailing, or otherwise making available in any communications or content producer application for this service, producer hereby grants to Stitcher a non-exclusive, royalty-free, and perpetual right to, Rachel said, this clause exists because people, when people share a show via Stitcher, it creates an episode link. This link lives off of the Stitcher service. Even if you remove your show, those links will continue to exist. Then, number one, and otherwise use submitted content, Rachel says, this covers, Stitcher's list, this covers Stitcher listeners' ability to share the shows via Facebook, Twitter, email, the potential to use sound bites or images of your shows in Stitcher's promotional or press materials, in other words, iTunes artwork, press screenshots of the app, note, Where we control this, we do seek providers' permissions. This is broad, certainly, but meant to allow for Stitcher product enhancements. So if they're going to have a screenshot of their app and display that on their Facebook page or on a printed thing, and they decide to pick a podcast to display in that app, by the way, that would be awesome if they chose yours because that means people are going to see your name, even just be familiar with your branding a little bit. But this is giving them permission to do that. Then when it comes to the point, create and use derivative works therefrom, which that I think is the point that a lot of people will have the hardest time with. She says, the product slash technology plan for Stitcher includes segmenting your content with attribution to allow listeners to listen to only the portions of your content they are interested in. Imagine a playlist of segments only about raising teens. Users could still listen to whole programs and, at times, Stitcher would recommend your entire program because its entirety is relevant to the listener. 
This delivers an end-user benefit and results in an increased likelihood that your content will appear to listeners, discoverability, and reach. Let's look at this another way. Google will republish some of your content on Google.com. Think about that for a moment. That's what's actually happening. But what's the benefit of it? Well, if you search for something, like maybe you have a podcast about about uh, quilting, and within that podcast, you mention someone's name, and in your show notes, you have a, a quote about that person or a quote from that person. So if someone searches that person's name, then Google will display your site, among other search results, and an excerpt from your site showcasing where that name appears in context. That's essentially the same thing that Stitcher is trying to say, that they want to get to the point where they can segment certain portions of podcasts so that someone could hear everything they want to about a specific topic instead of needing to listen to your entire episode. If you don't like that, then yeah, maybe it's not a good thing to be on Stitcher. But they don't do that without attribution. They will clearly say what podcast is playing, what part of the podcast is playing, and give the listeners the options to listen to the entire podcast. So it's not too much of a big concern. But I really appreciate that Rachel was so open and sent that email back. Actually, quite quickly, she got back to me on that. So look for Stitcher's updated terms and definitions so that you can see exactly what you're giving them permission to. And I don't think it's really that much of a concern. Stitcher is not evil and they don't want to steal from you. They just need your permissions to make sure they can do what they need to do in order to do what they do. (laughs) That's really how it comes down. So thank you everyone for sending that that voicemail feedback and the email feedback. And if you have podcasting questions that you'd like me to answer or audacity questions that you have for the podcast, email feedback at theaudacitytopodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. And you can also send a voice message from the website, theaudacitytopodcast.com. Click on the send a voice message tab and record that from your computer. Please get close to your mic and turn off the TV in the background if you have one. Now, upcoming episode that I am excited about is, you know, I've been talking about privacy policies and should you have them and how you should write them. And I've been receiving some good email from people. And I'm very happy to say that Gordon Firemark has heard about that. And he will be joining us for a few future episodes, not just one, but a few future episodes so we can have some very specific content. Gordon Firemark, if you haven't heard of him before, he's been on almost everyone else's podcast about podcasting, except mine. I've had him on my list to get on here for a while, but uh, never actually invited him. Oops. Well, he stepped up and said, I'd love to be on your show talking about this if you'd be willing. So I'm thrilled with this. He's an entertainment and new media lawyer, and he's also the author of a book called Podcast, Blog, and New Media Producers Legal Survivor Survival Guide, which I have a link to in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 71. And he also hosts his own podcast called Entertainment Law Update. So this is the guy to talk to about podcasting and legal issues. 
So what I want to do is have several episodes in the future, a series addressing these legal issues. I'm not going to try and squeeze it all into one really long episode. In fact, speaking of long episodes, I'm going to try and keep my episodes shorter from now on, a little bit shorter. But instead of squeezing it all in, I want to have a few separate, very focused episodes. So please send me your podcasting and law questions that you want me to ask in a discussion with Gordon Firemark. Questions like about privacy policies, release forms for co-hosts or guests, copyrights, maybe the copywriting your own stuff or using someone else's copyrighted stuff and music or anything like that. Um, then you could also ask questions about trademarks, like should you trademark your own podcast or how can you trademark? What's it cost or uh, what it's the process? Is it worth it? What can you do without spending money? And any other questions you have about the law and podcasting, I'd love to get those from you so that we can have a great conversation with Gordon Firemark. I don't think we'll be recording those episodes actually during the normal time for the Audacity to Podcast. I'll still still air them during that time, but please follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle and also watch the website over at the Audacity to Podcast.com. Or follow us on Facebook the, at facebook.com slash the audacity to podcast. And I will let you know when we're going to record those episodes so we can live stream the recording of those episodes. And you can ask questions even right there in the chat room. And we might even consider some live call ins, but we'll see how we're doing on time. So please send me your questions about uh, law and podcasting anything related to law and podcasting, but primarily let's approach it from this aspect of you are a blogger or podcaster and what laws do you need to be familiar with or what are the questions you have that you are or aren't allowed to do? Or even if you're not sure about something and you want to email in and say, for example, I don't make any money from my podcast, so does that mean I can use copyrighted stuff? Or if you want to give us an example of what you're doing and then find out if that's acceptable, please send us that stuff. Feedback at theaudacitytopodcast.com or call 903-231-2221 or you can send a voice message through the website at theaudacitytopodcast.com. Please get the links to this podcast in the show notes or from this podcast and stuff that I mentioned and you can read all of this stuff because I kind of went through it pretty quickly. Read it over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 71 and comment there if you have some questions on some of the content that was discussed and especially get the links to these people that sent in their messages for the podcast and i really appreciate their feedback and their being a part of this podcast and providing some extra content please follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle and check out the other blog posts that I'll be doing and more over at theaudacitytopodcast.com. You can also sign up for email newsletter with occasional podcasting and audacity tips over there at theaudacitytopodcast.com. And check out the other podcasts that I host as well, part of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go podcast with passion organization, and dialogue. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Thank you so much for listening.
The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts like About Once Upon a Time, Clean Comedy, and more to come over at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If you want podcasts about tech and you don't like evil podcasts, then go check out techpodcasts.com because they are not evil. And a lot of people aren't evil and they have some very not evil sponsors and hosts and excellent podcasts over there. So check it out at techpodcasts.com.